321. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 130. Today we're being joined by Daniel Wells of Unleashed Canine Services. Let's get him on. Let's get him on. Make sure you hit record. Recording in progress. Hi guys, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you, mate. How are you doing? Beautiful. How are good. you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Yeah, great to meet you. My name's David. This is Josh. Uh happy to happy to have nice you. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh well, listen, so uh we, we pretty much kind of just jump right into stuff here. So uh we um I got your name from somebody commented on one of our podcast episodes we did. Um, where we started talking about like when the UK ban and stuff on e-collars first started coming around and they commented on it. They said, you got to get Danny Wells on this. They said he's, uh, really, okay. really putting a lot of, a uh, lot of good content out there, uh, as far as trying to kind of push back against that. Uh, and he'd be a great person to kind of give kind of the actual UK perspective on things. Uh, cause obviously, you know, over here in the States, yeah. like it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic we have over here where it's like, you know, we know what's going on over there and we're all like, oh, rah, rah, like, let's go help the UK and let's fight back against this ban. And we don't want it to come here and stuff. But it's interesting, like since all that got announced, like a lot of like kind of the US based trainers, I feel like have kind of stopped talking about what's going on over there, especially given the fact that it's coming up so soon. So I'm really interested today to talk to you, obviously, and and kind of really figure out like what what the training climate is like over there right now. Like what kind of actual ramifications this is going to pose dog trainers like yourself uh, and what sort of things you guys are doing to kind of push back against it and what kind of things that we can do over here in the States to help push back against it on your behalf and obviously stop it from uh, continuing to move this way. So that's kind of yeah. that's kind of how I got connected with you uh, is, is from that comment. And like I said, I've been okay. following you since and, and you're putting out really, really awesome work. Uh, so, so I'm pretty excited for the conversation. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. I'm excited to be on, mate. Yeah. yeah so, um, I think uh, it's safe to say, make no mistake about it, this is coming to the US. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, this kind of radical left view on dog training is taking over this force-free ideology. And, you know, I'm sure we're all in agreement that if dogs could be trained with purely biscuits and fun, we'd all be doing that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's just not, it's not feasible that, you know, no mammal on the planet learns in that way. Yeah. We have to have the good experiences and the bad experiences to formulate um, our chosen behavior. And I think th this is, this is the problem we're facing now. Um, whilst dog trainers over the last 20 years have been, you know, head to the ground, working with dogs, rehabbing dogs and working with people, the the forced free ideology side of it have been implementing seeds into education and academia all this time and this is what we're seeing now we're seeing it's completely taken over if you if you go towards any sort any um formal credentials in dog training it's heavily influenced by forced free ideology and what comes with that is massive funding because they it's it's controlled by the major rescues they have a lot of funding to put into this let's say research um, but we all know what that means. Mm -hmm. um, and they they have a lot of say what goes into the um, the education side of things. So, you know, the public 
are being absolutely brainwashed, indoctrinated by nonsense. And anyone who, you know, your your, your own client base will be the same as mine. They've probably yeah. gone to, you know, four or five of these forced free trainers spent in some cases thousands of pounds and got absolutely nowhere because they've realized it's a fad. And what what's happening is there's so much money and power from the major charities that they put all their efforts into getting tools like, you know, the e-collar is the first one. They're going to come after everything until all forms of positive punishment, negative reinforcements are banned. That's what they, that's what they want. Yeah? yeah. And the reason why they're coming after it hard and putting so much money into their own research and their own lobbyists and campaigns is because they stand to profit lucratively from any tools that actually achieve result. You know, obviously the methods matter, but the tools, make it a lot easier for the average dog owner to get to grips with how, what they need to be doing to get their dogs to, you know, let's say play the game we say over here. Sure. Um, and when you eradicate that, you can then push that force free ideology onto the public and further it even more. So there's a reason why they're not campaigning for like, you know, um, livestock electric fences and, you know, go- goat collars. They're not campaigning for them to be banned. So which is it, you know, is it cruel for one animal, but it's not for another but they're not campaigning for that because they don't stand to profit from that ban. They stand to profit when they focus on the dogs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, arguments that I've been seeing as I've been following you and a lot of other people uh, that are over there kind of pushing back against it right now is a lot of the conversation is surrounded around. It looks like uh, dogs on farms, right. And, and injuring livestock and, and things like that. Is that yeah, a big like, thing. is that a, that's a bit, so I'm assuming that's a very, very big thing over there. That's a big part of it. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's a problem you see, and unlike anywhere else in the world, is to my knowledge, the UK has something unique because in 2010, you know, you know, the, the we have like in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, yeah, and they, and they make up the United Kingdom. So Wales banned the e collar in 2010. So we've got all these statistics to go from. So for example. Wales, when, when, when they compare the amount of sheep that have been you know, killed by dogs, Wales has four times more sheep killed by dogs than England, Ireland and Scotland put together mm-hmm. since the ban of the e-collar. They also have three times more dogs shot dead by farmers than all England, Ireland and Scotland put together. The stats are out there. So what can be expected if you ban the collar? But um, again, you know, the, the powers that be, the, uh, the powerful uh, animal charities... They try their best to bury to bury that sort of um, them stats. They, they, they don't they don't want to mention it as they don't want to mention the actual science. That you know there's there's a, there's a there's a world of scientific papers that demonstrate the effectiveness of electronic training collars. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, talk a little bit about the the climate of dog ownership in general in the UK because I know like you know here in the states like it's. It's borderline ridiculous how integrated dogs are to like every single aspect of our day to day. You know, it's like every restaurant, like if you're not dog friendly at this point, like what are you doing? Right. Like dogs go to every single family function and gathering and and we're we're putting them in so many almost absurd, you know, situations, obviously at this point. Um, And I was ironically, I was actually just in the UK uh, last month uh, spending some time in the Scotland area. And just as I was out there, I was, I've, just observing and looking around and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you see a good amount of dogs, but you don't see them everywhere, right? It's kind of like, you know, somebody taking their dog for a quick walk through the park and stuff like that. But like, as we were sitting at restaurants and going to different places and stuff like that, it's not like you saw dogs everywhere. So what is it like, like as far as dog ownership uh, out in the UK right now? Yeah. 
Um, well, again, it depends where you're going. If you're going into more the countryside, most yeah. of them pubs, you'll see dogs in the pubs. Um, but what you're seeing, what you're seeing of late, is do- a lot of dogs aren't under control. Mm-hmm. They, people don't have control of their dogs, and that again is because they've been the narrative of this is your baby has been forced upon people, and people genuinely believe that you know training doesn't really matter. You know, it, it is how you raise them. All you need is love and all this kind of stuff. And they don't realize that you're talking about, you know, an apex predator that's a living sentient being. They're going to make decisions based on their genetic predisposition and their past experiences. And in, at young ages, when people, aren't, when people aren't taking the time to give their dogs the necessary exposure and outcomes needed to formulate um, a behavior that's going to gel in a human being world, yeah. then there's going to be a lot of problems. And that's what we're seeing. You know, in the UK alone, there's 13 million dogs and on average, 90 to 130,000 dogs a year are given up on, passed into shelters or destroyed. And it's and, and the third biggest cause of euthanasia in the UK is problematic behavior, yeah. which, as we know, as what I've coined the term proper dog trainers, <laughs> can be resolved. Sure. It can be resolved. Mm-hmm. But members of the public, they, they, they're just they're banging their heads against the wall. They've got no answers. So wherever you go now, like I'm, I'm lucky I've worked to get me training center. So when I take my dogs out, I don't want to be around yeah. the, the public because how many times do you have to tell people, get your dog under control, call your dog back. They can't call the dog back. Listen, I love dogs more than people, but if you can't call your dog back, I'm going to boot it back to you. Yeah, yeah. I've spent a lot of time <laughs> training my dogs and I'll be fucked if I'm letting your dog yeah. jump on my dog. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, not, it's not happening. Yeah. And then obviously I'm the bad guy then and I don't like doing it. But my dogs need to see that I am going to advocate for them. Otherwise, you know, I've got I've got two solid working line Malinois. I've got, a, you know, a, a bull breed, a hard, solid bull breed, mm-hmm. and a little gamey terrier that, that will all raise up to the challenge if they don't see sure. consistently that I'm going to step in and deal with things. They, they leave me to it because of learned behavior. They don't need to get involved. So this is what we're seeing at the moment in the public. Um, a lot of people don't understand the law as well. You know, they, they honestly think that their dogs can just do what the fuck they want yeah. whenever they want to do it. Yeah. And the law stipulates that your dog must be under control in a public place. Yeah. And under control doesn't mean on a lead. In yeah, the yeah. UK, if your dog causes anyone distress or alarm, then a Section 3 uh, Section 3 of the Dangerous Dogs Act has been committed. Your dog's caught it, it is dangerously out of control in a public place, and people just don't realize it. Yeah. How strict is stuff like that enforced? It's not really enforced yeah. that much until until it goes drastically wrong. We yeah, have a yeah. strange law as well where if, you know, your dog, a dog could come over. Let's say someone's dog runs over to my dog. I try and deal with it, but there's a dog fight. If If no death happens... Mm-hmm. then it's just a civil matter. So, yeah. you know, I'll see it in court in three years. Yeah, you can see it, yeah. if a dog kills another dog, it's a criminal offence. So regardless of if their dog runs over to my dog, if my dog kills their dog, then I'm in court because my dog killed a dog. Yeah. It's 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 balmy. I, I personally don't think there's, um, there's harsh enough um, enforcement on dog law. I really don't. Yeah. And in the UK, I'm sure you've seen the news lately, we've got a lot of dog-related deaths happening in this last two years. Yeah. It's unbel- unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, it's obviously city by city here, but we have, you know, some cities like our city in Cleveland, we have leash laws, obviously, where in in pretty much any public place, like you got to have your dog on a leash. Now, 
again, there's certain yeah. places that people do that in, certain places people don't do that in, and certain places where it's more or less uh, strictly enforced, obviously. But uh, I used to have a training center in uh, a place about two hours south of us, uh, Columbus. And out there, they didn't have specific leash laws in their public parks. They had what it sounds like is similar to yours, which is just the dog needs to be under direct control at all times, which is just the grayest yeah. <laughs> like most di- most difficult term ever because it's like well what the hell does that mean you know like and uh yeah. you know yeah we would run into a lot of situations just like yours with off-leash dogs running at us all the time we'd have to just avoid certain parks because it's like you know they're going to be there and it's like it's not yeah. worth the headache and the frustration yeah, yeah, yeah. of going there with uh and this with is clients. this is a difficult bit this is difficult when you're working with clients yeah. because you know some of them they're expecting miracles you know we're dog trainers we're yeah. not fucking magicians <laughs> um, it doesn't matter how well you train your dog yeah if you keep subjecting them to an environment where dogs yeah. are fighting with them yes th- their heads are going to be shot yeah so you know i keep telling and then you say to them just avoid them places because it's just yeah. not worth the aggro and they go well i should be able yeah. to take my yes. and i agree yes. you should be able to uh-huh. but nine times out of ten people are fucking idiots with their dogs they yeah. don't understand that their dog can cause some serious harm yeah. and people have a right to be able to walk and not be harassed by their dog. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a difficult um, situation we're in, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, we're constantly put on the defense with those types of things. You know, it's like, we, we joke, like when we go out in parks, like one of my clients coined once they, they were like, you know, what you're teaching is very similar to defensive walking. You know, like when we, they teach driving, they teach defensive yeah. driving, yeah. always looking on the lookout. They're like, you're teaching yeah. defensive walking when yeah. you're out and about. I thought that was funny. Um, and that's exactly what I teach. That is exactly yeah, yeah. what I teach. I tell people, you have to be dynamically risk assessing yes, everywhere when you're exactly. walking your dog, especially if your dog has had some serious like issues of aggression and reactivity. So which is why I don't, I, I, I have a BME bonnet with people who are saying no to the dog all the time. I see trainers doing it. Yeah. No, correction, putting it on a condition punisher. I don't want that. I want my dog to understand this is how we walk wherever we go. If yeah. I let you off, you can do what you want yep. within reason. But if we walk, you walk here. That way, when there's a nice fixed heel position, I'm dynamically risk assessing all my environments. I know what's coming, what's over there, how close it's getting. I don't have to have my head down looking at my dog all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just training the dog that we're doing. We're teaching people skills that about uh, for managing a dog. Only the same thing you do if your kids were playing. You keep your, you keep your eye about, you know, not to make, the, uh, the taboo comparison dogs with children, but yeah, you're still that's a good a, point, you're responsible though, yeah. in, and in both in both instances. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, completely. Completely. Uh, okay, so getting back to, you mentioned a, a minute ago, you were talking about how one of the, I think you said maybe 50% of the dog deaths right now are uh, behavioral euthanasia, basically, right? Um, so I always one go- One in three. One in three, okay. Every, yeah, yeah, yeah. The third most popular, sorry. You know, it's like the third no, no, most, that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Common reason dogs are euthanized. Yeah. Yep. So, so obviously that's a very that's a large number, right? That's a, a large percentage of the dogs that are dying. Obviously, is, is for that reason. So I go back and forth all the time on you know why getting back to like what's the what is the the agenda behind pushing some of these ideologies and stuff like that. And it's interesting you mentioned you know with a lot of these behavior cases, right, or more difficult dogs, we know as good trainers that we could you know, either root out most of that or teach the owner how to manage the dog and handle the dog much better where those behavioral issues are, you know, borderline not a problem, right? Uh, you might not fix the dog, but you can at least get things to a place where they could live out the rest of their lives with the owners, right? So one of the big things that pops in my head is, is one of the agendas just that they're trying to make it so that dangerous dogs in general, there's no fighting chance at them and we're resorting to just euthanizing them at that point so that we could kind of get the population of dogs to a more uh, a more tame standard. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense, but um, in the UK, 
Okay, I think I think what we're dealing with now with this um, behavior is a byproduct yeah. of twenty years of dare I say bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've had twenty years of trying to push on the notion to people that dogs are babies, and I think this starts with the major rescues because I understand it. If you want to get people involved and rescue the dogs that are in your kennels, then you have to get them triggered emotively. So you start with this dog just needs love and it needs this. And, and you know, it's had no, no affection and no nothing. Yeah. And people go, oh, I want to save the dog. But as a byproduct of, of drawing them in in that emotive way, you, you, you push on the notion that that is all that dog needs and it's a little baby and it doesn't. And, and you kind of. You kind of waive the the actual reality of owning that dog and what you have to go through in order to create um, wanted behavior and discourage unwanted behavior. Yeah. I think that's what's happened, and and combine that with this force free ideology yeah. and and the consumer driven market. Obviously, everyone jumps on the bandwagon. If we can draw them in emotively with that, well, we'll do the same thing and we'll sell you this potion and this no pull harness and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And what we've got, what it's led to over twenty years is a nation of people that have an unrealistic expectation of what it is to own a dog and have even less of a realistic expectation of what it takes to train that dog. And I think what we're dealing with now with the ridiculous numbers of unwanted behavior, dog-related deaths, things like that, I think it's a byproduct of all them things. And and I think somewhere in between the the powers that be, the the major corporations, they realize this shift in dynamic, but they realize that they could capitalize on it and make yeah. massive profits. I mean, you know, I say it all the time. I think it's I think it's atrocious that rescues such as the Dogs Trust can invest considerable amounts of money in research that pushes their own agenda when it's blatantly obvious why they do so, because they they have a business that gets all their stock for free, sells it for money, and then people willingly go, here's my hard-earned money. I think it's absolutely atrocious yeah. that they get to invest that money in bullshit in order to push their own ideologies to further their their um, their income. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's so many um, you know so many things you can kind of point out, especially in the rescue world. We're here, we see you know getting to you know just just crafting stories about dogs to try to get funding, right? Like we see all the time. Like there was one that recently yeah. went around uh, a local rescue to here. Um, and or I don't know if it was here, whatever, somewhere in the States. And, um, it was, it was a dog that they, they listed out this crazy long story of how it's been through like four different homes and attacked this person and killed this dog and blah, 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 but had this big sob story at the end about how people just didn't understand this dog and the dog is coming to their <laughs> sanctuary. And then right at the end of it was like a GoFundMe link for it. And, and they were just collecting just thousands and thousands of dollars off of this dog that has yeah. killed other dogs, seriously tried to injure other people. It's unbelievable you know? yeah. how, how you grip the public with dogs. Like you could put a GoFundMe for a child with leukemia yeah. and the dog that was on the streets would raise more money. It's <laughs> it's unbelievable. And I think that they got wise to that a long time ago yeah. and that's where the money come in. You know, like there was a lot of like taxpayer money went into the, um, into the DEFRA study, which is the only study that they quoted to the government when they pushed to try and ban a collar, the e-collar. I don't know if you know much about the DEFRA study, but in short, it was an absolute shit show. And it was £500,000 of taxpayers' money on bullshit. From the very get-go, the dogs that were trained on e-collars were trained up Scotland in the snow. And the dogs that were trained in a reward-based approach were down south in the sun. Straight away, you haven't replicated the same circumstances for a study, so it means nothing. Mm. And I just think it's absolutely atrocious that the taxpayer funded that. 
Yeah. Can you uh, can you break down that stuff? Like, I, I'm assuming you're much more fluent in it than than I am. Uh, are you able to like really break that study down? It, for uh, brilliant. Yeah. If you really really want interest and study um study statistics and findings, you need to get Jamie Penrith on this on this podcast. I'm sure he'd be happy to do it. Um, he's a very close friend of mine. Without Jamie Penrith in the UK, this collar would have been a done deal. It would have been banned by yeah. now. Um, can you spell Jamie his last Penrith name? Is is the I see him as the secret weapon for for us because he's got he's got all the all, all the credentials. The there isn't a single study or book out there that Jamie hasn't you know couldn't recite chapter by chapter. Yeah. Um. He's got a degree, and he's a proper dog trainer. He yeah, understands yeah. dog training as as it is. And Jamie, I've been working with Jamie under the Ardo uh, brand, but him and his wife um, Lou, they have tireless, tirelessly worked and campaigned um, to push the truth in front of the British government. Um, so that I won't dive, I won't dive too much into that sure. stuff because you'll have a really good podcast out of Jamie Penrith on that, and I'll speak to him and say like, heads up, get, you need to go on, and he'll give you, he'll give you all, all the nitty gritty. You'll be able to talk about him about every study that there is, yeah. and you'll get some good solid content out of Jamie for it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be uh, that'd be beautiful, obviously. Um, okay, so you know yeah. it's interesting. We were talking about obviously with the the behavioral euthanasia and how that may kind of play some of a role in this. And it's it's interesting because it's like what came first? Like, what do they say? Like the chicken or the egg or, or whatever it was? Because you know a part of the issue is right. Like with these behavioral cases, we know a lot of it is this agenda has been pushed of what living with a dog like looks. This false narrative of like what living with a dog looks like, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know and. You know, we know it's like you could either fix, right, people's perception of living with a dog and the expectations they have and calibrate more realistic ones of like, well, listen, some dogs just don't want to be approached by every single person when they're out about. And, you know, some dogs aren't okay with going into the local dog park that's got 35 dogs that are all doing God knows what, et cetera, et cetera. Or we could just say those dogs are untrainable and, you know, you should put those dogs down, obviously. And, um, you know, I just hear a lot, like when you, when we talk to different force-free trainers or, you know, you see different arguments online. And one of the biggest things that I think a lot of balanced trainers will try to push is like, well, we could help these dogs. These balanced tools, these methods and stuff can help them overcome these issues. And their general argument back to that is something along the lines of, well, if you need to resort to those types of methods in order to get those behaviors under control, those dogs probably just shouldn't be alive, which is why that always has stuck in the back of my mind as, you know, one of yeah. the big leaders. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. So it's all well and good them saying that, but, you know, they, the force free a lot like to, like to push this baby stuff onto people. And, yeah. you know, you wouldn't do this to your child. You wouldn't yep. put that on your child. So if we want to stick to their same comparisons, why the fuck aren't we just euthanizing every single person serving a prison sentence then? Sure. Why, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is, they're too emotionally weak to do what needs to be done yeah. to create a behavior outcome. You know, when I punish my child, I'm doing it with the best intention. So they understand right from wrong and they grow up to be a moral citizen. And my child is, fortunately, she's in university. She's thriving. Did I like putting her on the naughty step or taking dolls off her when she misbehaved? No, I didn't. Sure. I didn't like the day of silent treatment, but the message got across. She understood outcomes. The difference with dogs is they're predominantly associative learners. We can't explain rationale or reason to them. Yes. We can only give them learning outcomes. And the sooner people start to realize that and accept it, the happier and more balanced all dogs will be. Um, and, you know, it really it really boils me piss. I, I, I'm past, I, I've been in this industry a long time. There's so many trainers that have been in this industry for a couple of years. Yeah. They're like, we need to bridge the gap between balanced and force-free. I fucking hate them. Yeah. I can't stand them. 
I'm done with it. I've, I've tried to win them over. I've got some real good people around me that are force-free, that I liaise with. And when I say they're force-free, they just prefer to train in that way. Yes. And they acknowledge where they're limited, but they just do what they like to do. And I completely respect that. They understand learning theory. They understand cr creating behavioral outcomes. They just aren't comfortable with corrections, which is fine. When you start trying to tell people that it's unnecessary and you can do it another way, that's where they, I've got no time for them people because it's bollocks. It's absolute bullshit. Yeah. It, it's, it's nonsense. And it, re it really winds me up because they don't have anything to show for it. Like, yeah. let's change the topic. Let's say... Let's say you're you're Jay Cutler and you're Ronnie Coleman. You know who them two people are. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just some I'm I'm just some skinny dickhead in the UK, and I'm telling you both about weightlifting. I'm telling you both. Yeah. This is how you're gonna get big. This is how you're gonna win the Olympia. Yeah. Everyone would go. He's a knobhead. Him. Tell him to shut up. What the fuck? But that's what we've got in dog training. We've got a, a massive amount of these force-free trainers that don't have any results to the name. You don't have any before and afters. Yeah. I don't see any, you know, you go on my Facebook, any of my um, social media platforms, and I've got tens and tens of people tagging me, real people with real dogs every day. Thank you so much. Look at the difference in my dog. We can enjoy our dog. I don't see it on any of these platforms. The ones with the big mouths that are talking and saying that people like us are abusive and yeah. so on. Mm -hmm. They have no clients to their name talking. They have no before and afters but they think they have this power to speak to people and tell them how to train their dogs. I've never known an industry like it, and it's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's it's interesting. You know, like, obviously, like, <laughs> you're laughing at the comparison, obviously, but, like, you could just hear, like, how, how much passion is behind all of this that you're saying, obviously, right? And, you know, not that yeah. we're not passionate at all about it here, but, you know, you're, this, is, this is really going to affect you right now if, if things don't start to change, obviously. Yeah. So my question is, you know, what sort of things yeah. are you currently doing and do you guys kind of have in the works to push back against this? Is there a shot that it might get reversed? And if it doesn't, what Absolutely. is that going to look like for your company? Um, okay, so basically, we, we're kind of making history at the moment. This is a done deal. What happened is the major charities produced a load of bullshit. They're rubbing shoulders with the right people in government. And they basically said to the government, look at this. These devices electrocute dogs, talked a load of shit. Yeah. And the government went, whoa, yeah, surely the nation would be on board with this. Who would want to electrocute dogs? Sure. And they showed them the whole 6,000 volts, which I'm sure you're aware. Volts, voltage doesn't matter with the collar. It's about yeah. the ampage. Mm -hmm. And the E-collar makes 0, 0.00 millijoules of energy. It, can, yes. it is impossible for it to rupture a cell. Yes. The voltage means nothing. You know, working on a carpet, that'll, get, that'll give you 30,000 volts, a, a static off a carpet. Voltage means nothing. Mm -hmm. But they presented this scare tactics to the government. And the government, not knowing anything about dog training or anything, just said, oh, I wouldn't want to electrocute my dog. Yeah, okay, that's a done deal. Mm -hmm. Weirdly enough, he passed the bill for animal testing on beagles um, around about the same time. So I kind of get the feeling that it was like, we'll get that through and then we'll give the animal rights activists this. I yeah. kind of get the impression it was that, but sure. that's just my opinion. Anyway, so when that happened, it was a done deal. They said February 2024, the e-collars banned. So we went, right, let's get to work. So Jamie Penrith, myself, we, we started um, rallying people together. We didn't ask them to do anything other than write to their MPs and tell them that this isn't what it seems, that, you know, I mean, members of parliament, politicians. Mm -hmm. um, we told them to write to them, tell them this isn't what it seems. You're being lied to. This is the reality of the situation. And the reality of that situation was we created that much of an uproar that the government paused the, um, 
the the scheduling to actually confirm that it's been banned. Mm. It's been paused, and that's not been done before. Yeah, I, don't, I believe maybe in the last thirty years, it's not been done. When a, when all all it needed for that ban to completely be concrete and go through was a meeting, a nod, and it was through, and we paused it just through yeah. rallying people together. And I think now, basically, the government have gone back to the rescues and gone, whoa, whoa, whoa! You told us that the nations found this because. The, the, the no one wants to electrocute dogs, but what we're hearing is there's a whirlwind, there's a, a, a plethora of, of actual science out there that says these tools are valuable. They were, mm-hmm. and we've got thousands of people telling us that it saved their dogs' lives. So uh, this this requires some thought. And now what's happened? There's a backlash. The dogs trust, the kennel club, and such. They've all started campaigning again now, say with their with their lies, their their propaganda, and their mm-hmm. scare tactics, saying. The government have paused on, you know, on the uh, the ban. We need to be writing to the government, yeah. and we need to be doing this, this, and this. So we're making massive headroom with this now, um, and you know, I'm quite confident we can come to an um, a, an agreement. You know, even if we get an exemption for predation, I'd be happy with that. I'd be, I'd, I, you know, I'd be happy with it being with it being banned for the public unless they're working with the trainer. So you know, sure. I don't know how you police it or how you'd um, you'd fund it, but. If every trainer had a unique trainer number, you had to do a license in the tools. And when people come to work with you, they could reference your unique number and they could get a collar. And then if they were misusing that collar, then that reference number would come back to the trainer. Yes. I, you know, none of that kind of stuff would bother me because I train in an ethical way. Yes. I understand that punishments need to be made, uh, need to happen. But um, I understand the conditioning process and, and and what needs to be done. So it wouldn't bother me in the slightest. That, um, but... You know, I'm quite hopeful now. I'm quite hopeful. We put a massive speed bump in this. This was yeah. a done deal, and it's not so much a done deal now. Yeah. So let's see what happens. So so when you say they put a pause to it, right? So um, that means that they're waiting to collect further data before they make their decision. Is that kind of what it is? Yeah, it just means that it needs debate. And they need to – what they thought was the evidence. Now they've got two piles, and they need to now go through it yeah. and and see what's working. You know, it, it, it you know it, it's ridiculous when – You've got the RSPCA, which are corrupt as fuck, saying um, saying that it's a massive risk to welfare. In e-collars have been used since the late fifties, as you know, maybe even a little bit sooner. There has never been a conviction for misuse or abuse using an e-collar. No, not one. Yeah, dogs have died on just normal collars and lead. Sure. Why aren't we banning them? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. th- this sort of data, when the RSPCA say these tools are a risk to welfare, well, all we respond with to the government is show me the risk. Yeah. Where, where is the risk? They can't just say that. They have to quantify it. Where is the risk? Because they've got no data. You know, the RSPCA dealt with, I think they had like over 100,000 calls of abuse or something last year. They dealt with about 63,000 odd cases of abuse. Don't quote me. The numbers will be around that, but, you know, um, not not exact. Sure. Not one of them was related to an e-collar. Not one. Yeah. And not one conviction came of it. Yet they want to pump in the media and say there's an immediate risk to welfare. Well, I'll put it to you, me, I'll meet. There's fucking not. There is no risk to welfare. Yeah. It's ne- there's never been a risk to welfare. Yeah. It, it is what it is. Yeah. You know? It's interesting, right? Like, so, like, if you look at, like, e-collars and, like, abuse linked to e-collars, right? Like, everything that they say is abuse yeah. using them is, is generally going to be extremely subjective, right? But... M- Anybody that's going to invest a, a fairly large chunk of money into an e-collar or into a trainer to use an e-collar is doing so because they care about their animal 10x more than 
your average person that would actually 100%. be abusing dogs. So like and those, animals in general. Yes, ex- yeah. exactly. Right. So like that financial kind of point that they're trying to get across uh, or, or the financial investment that they're making, the time commitment they're making to like getting this tool and trying it with their dog and stuff is always going to be done in the best intentions. And though, yeah, like we could still debate if it's being misused or not. Nobody is going to be just willingly and, and unintentionally abusing their dogs through it, you know? Yeah. This is a point that I make, you know, the, the likes of the, the major charities, the Kennel Club, the RSPCA, they want to push out the nonsense that these are cruel, barbaric and abusive tools. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, well, let's let's break that down to what you're really saying. What you're saying is thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the world are animal abusers. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that realistic yes. in saying that? Are people going out and buying dogs because they're animal abusers? No, they're not. They have the best intentions for them dogs. They love them dogs more than most of the people in their lives. They're taking all the necessary precautions to ensure that their dogs are safe, other animals are safe, and people are safe as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a a wonderful point. Oh, God, there was a point I was going to make a second ago. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. So I I think a, a very important piece of what it sounds like your argument is, is your willingness for compromise through all of this also, you know, because I think if we were to try to say, no, it's got to stay exactly the way it is right now, where they're just free for all, anybody could use them, this, that, though, I don't think that's a a, a public welfare concern. Uh, I think the willingness to compromise is going to be a very, very important part of this fight, because I think, especially from a government standpoint or from the lobbyist standpoint with the the rescue organizations and all of that, you know, they're not going to be okay with not getting anything out of it without saying like, hey, well, we we got a little bit further along. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I think yeah. that's important and that's where you get to, okay, so, so how would having e-collars totally banned affect my business versus, or, or forget my business, right? My life with my personal dogs. We talked about it. I think when we were talking about the UK ban, like we do off leash hiking here with our dogs, like my wife and I all the time, we go in the woods, there's animals, there's, there's stuff like that everywhere. And yeah, sure. Like our dogs are very reliable. Like if they don't have training tools on or anything like that, I feel pretty darn confident that I'm going to be able to keep them under control and stuff, but I wouldn't feel a hundred percent confident. But why not take the extra? Yeah, exactly. Right. Why not take the extra precaution? Exactly. Right. So just, just not having that tool for those types of situations alone would start putting me in a position over time to second guess, allowing all of these different freedoms that I currently allow to them. And me as the professional dog trainer, if I'm not going to feel a hundred percent confident, maybe nine, 95% confident, 98% confident, but not 100%, and that's going to cause me to restrict my dog's lives a little bit, your average owner isn't going to also, right? And they're they're definitely not going to be able to start taking their dogs out into those types of situations. The problem is with the the average owner isn't going to have the sort of moral compass that you or I have as a trainer. Uh, Um, They're just going to go, fuck it, I'll let them off and see what happens. Yeah. And Uh the issue we get, the issue we get is, I'll bring another point in, you know, this whole proposed ban is fucking nonsense and bullshit. I hope you, if you have to beat that out, that's fine, but this is the way I am. Um, it is nonsense and it's bullshit because let's give you an example. You know, heroin is banned in both of our countries. Sure. If I have heroin in my house and the police come, I, I'm arrested yeah. as you are. Yeah. Uh-huh. This proposed ban is to make it illegal to use electronic training collars. I can buy them. I can import them. I can sell them. The police or the RSPCA could come in my house and I've got a collar on my dog's crate and the receiver next to it and no one can do anything about it. I just can't use it. Does that sound like a piece of legislation that's, that has welfare in yeah. the forefront of its mind? Yep. Absolutely <laughs> not. And we learn a lot by Germany because through Ardo, we liaised with the e-collar companies. Yes. Germany banned the e-collar in 2006. 
And they sell just as many e-collars today, if not more, to Germany than they did before the ban. Yeah. So my point being, all they're fighting for is to condemn, condemn a tool to the gra- to underground where people are most likely to misuse it, where, they, where they, they're scared to have education yeah. on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and in the sport dog world, that's yeah. been the biggest so, argument because, you know, obviously I used to compete in Mondial Ring. I knew yeah. a lot of the, the, the clubs and stuff around yeah. here that would go to Worlds and stuff. And all of them would go to Germany and train their fucking dogs before before Worlds, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, they uh, all still use them. They're, yeah. all still, they're all still using <clears throat> all of that yeah. stuff, but just, just yeah. underground, obviously. I've heard it. I've seen Force Free. I've seen Force Free going, we'll be just fine. Germany are fine. And I'm like, yeah. they're all still using them. <laughs> they're, they're all still using them. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. In terms of business, you know, it, we can train a dog either way. The problem is, you know, what is a punishment to one dog won't be the same to yeah. another. So you might get one dog and you can go, hey, and, and just that tone of voice, sure. and they'll go, whoa. And you go, it's a good lad. And you can get him in. You can divert that. You can, um, redirect that behavior onto something you want. When you have a dog with excessive levels of drive, that's where that e-collar comes in handy off lead because whether people like it or not, you need to create an unpleasant outcome for for a behavior that is not acceptable in order for the dog, from a dog's perspective, to feel like it doesn't benefit them. Dogs live their lives with three things in mind. Seek out pleasure, avoid discomfort, and better your own situation. If anyone takes anything away from this podcast, understand those three things because that is... The art of dog training. Make everything that you want your dog to do absolutely fucking fantastic. If they've picked up things that you don't want them to do, from a dog's perspective, they have to perceive that it's it's not good for them in the same way that you wouldn't go and touch a hot pan. Yeah. No one in the world goes, ah, fucking hell, I'll do that again. Yeah. yeah? They need to <laughs> understand from a dog's perspective that that doesn't benefit them. And you need to have the dog believe that whatever they're doing benefits their own situation. Now, here lies the kicker. If you have high drive dogs, which we've got millions of them, you're not going to like what you see if you've tr- if you've got a dog that you truly need to stop the dog from doing something that is dangerous sure. that the dog finds intrinsically valuable. You're not going to like what you see if you take away the e-collar because you have to get physical, yeah. in which case lots more dogs are going to get unnecessarily euthanized because I as a trainer won't do it yeah. because I'm not going to risk the implications yeah. of of being f- physical with a dog because you've took away a tool mm-hmm. and lose me business and possibly me me uh, me freedom. I'm not going to do it because we live in a world where people just don't understand it. You know, you correct how many times over the years? How long have you trained dogs for, guys? Uh, about eleven years. Yeah, same. So right around about my time. So in that time. How many times have you had to have drama in the street when you corrected the dog and someone that doesn't know what they've seen comes over and is like, what are you doing there? What are sure. you doing? And you're like, listen, sure. yeah, yeah. it's it's not personal. The dog just has to have an outcome to yeah. link to indulging in this particular behavior. Yes. You know, you haven't seen the months of foundational work I've laid. You've only seen the one moment of, of unpleasant consequence. Yeah. So, you know, how far are you going to take that with, with, with high drive dogs if you take away the tools that are necessary? And... You know, to the people that say, what are you what are you gonna do if you take away your tools? Well, maybe be as useless as fucking you lot. Who knows? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh okay, so so kind of moving uh, in. The thing is, my dogs will always be under manners. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? But, but the tools, the tools that we use often bridge the gap between experience and a lack of experience. Sure. So I can't expect a client that works with me to be on like a four week training program and have my handling skills, my, my over a decade of handling experience. So sometimes the tools will bridge that gap yes. and they'll be able to progress with their dog a lot sooner 
So if you take away that, all it does is mean that I take more money as my business because yeah. now I have to sell your packages that are a lot longer in time. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously the argument to that, and I'm interested to hear how you respond to this, the argument to that is, well, why should the dog have to to suffer the lack of skill set of the owner then? Right? Do you hear that one ever? that's the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the world we live in, you know. You know and, and people who say, it's the same argument as, they shouldn't have that dog. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. But they fucking have got that dog. That's so now we point. have to work with them and yes. train the dog. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How many no, times yeah. you hear that? You know, it, it's ridiculous. You know, you don't need these tools. These people just shouldn't have them types of dogs. Yeah. And I'm like, this so is what you're fucking saying. Where are all of them going to go too? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah, it's we see the that same all the time. Argument. All the time. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great comparison to that. Okay, so you know, obviously, they, uh, you know, I, I read something somewhere that's like, you know, like when you look at extremes, right? There's always a degree of truth behind all of the extremes. Maybe not all of it, but maybe a little bit of it, right? So when you look at this argument against e-collars, what sort of things do you see that balance trainers might be doing that are hurting the cause right now, or people that use the tools? We'll just say. Um, I think there's, I think there's a few things. Um, one is there's, there is a lack of education, and people are a bit wary of posting education. I'm not. I've always been that way, but people are wary of posting correct education for fear of getting trolled. Sure. Because for a community of people that call themselves positive, they're the most fucking unpleasant, vile, negative people <laughs> you'll ever clap eyes on. Yeah. Mm. So a lot of people are are wary about putting the information out there for fear of getting trolled online. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of, well, as we know, punishment works. So anyone goes after me and I fucking publicly destroy them. So I I, I, I kind of just post what I want when I want. Yeah. Another problem we see is there is a generation of confused trainers, people who talk about working levels are all the e collars about, you know, why are you banning this tool? All I have to do is tap on level seven. And, my do- and I'm like, shut the fuck up. Shut up. That is not what it's about. Yeah, you know, yeah. we all want to condition the collar, but it is the, the the war is not the tool directly. The war is on punishment, and punishment is a vital part. Yes. Your dog is an associative learner. To deprive them of any form of unpleasant outcome is literally depriving them of fifty percent of their learning capacity. Yeah. It's a it's a tragedy to not give them them learning outcomes. So you know, or while while your teacher, if you want your dog to respond in a certain way on the cue of the collar then you have to work with working levels you have to teach the dog at a low level if you comply with this behavior then a reward is produced or you can switch off that by doing a particular behavior we all agree on that yeah, yeah. we all agree on it but there is such a thing as a, as, as a, a momentary learning experience and there is nothing wrong with that as well there is also nothing long wrong with if you've taught that recall in a in a positive way and you've taught your dog how to switch off the collar you if i don't want my dogs on collars for the rest of their lives so once i my dog has demonstrated that they understand that that collar will be turned off and there will be a moment of discomfort that will be linked with the idea of defying the command of recall so i now have created the learning outcome my dog walks the world going i can do what i want but if he says come i have to respond instantly if i do there is a good learning outcome if i ignore something bad will happen yeah. It's as simple as that. And I think I think I call it diet Pepsi dog training. When people start to diet Pepsi the methods <laughs> to make it more palatable okay. so that people don't jump on at them. Yeah. I get a bee in me bonnet. I start thinking to myself, it demonstrates a lack of of practical experience and understanding if you're able to be influenced by, you know, bullshit. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. One of my biggest pet peeves when I see, especially bigger name dog trainers, try to like debate, you know, the e-collar, like all these types of things, yeah. is the sugarcoating of the methods, right? Is, you know, the e-collar is not yeah. an aversive tool and the dog should like it all the time and this and that, where, you know, you brought up the working levels. That's oh, why I started laughing. That's like one of my, my biggest pet peeves also yeah. in e-collar training is this idea that you could always get away with using low levels. It's like, yeah, you may be able to use a subjectively low level to gain compliance with a yeah. dog, but they're still, if they're listening to it, they're still ultimately listening to it because they want to avoid that sensation, right? They want to escape or avoid that sensation. It might yeah. just be at unless, a low unless level. they've got, unless they've got, unless you've paid the e-collar as a cue. Yes. For Which a is all your dogs, like an excessive prey junkie. Sure. You know what I mean? But yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting. And there's uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, sure. Um, so are, yeah, yeah, what we're talking about there, the dog working to switch off that, off, off the feeling of the collar. You talk, we're talking negative reinforcements. Yes. Everyone's body on the planet communicates them with negative to them with negative reinforcements. Yes. No one's body goes, Here's a little tickle, you're fucking hungry. You go, Oh, I've got hunger pains, I'm starving. Oh, I've got shit pains, I need to go to the toilet. You know, <laughs> you know that the, the act of a behavior will remove the feeling, the sustained feeling of yes. discomfort. It's a completely normal part of being a living fucking mammal. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> lose, lose my train of thought here. Where are we going with that? Uh, okay, so um, what about this this big thing that's going on in the balance community right now, or the we'll just keep calling it the tool using community right now? Um, that I feel like yeah. people are doing to try to, I don't want to say like maybe appease the force free community, but like act like we're kind of you know maybe a, a little bit better, and you don't need to ban this tool and stuff like that. Yeah. Of like policing our community, that's a big thing I've seen right now of trainers particularly tool using trainers going after other tool using trainers all over the place in the effort to like weed out the bad training and make it the, make the tool only a positive thing. Do you see a lot of that? My, my attitude on dog training is it might not be, sometimes it might not be pretty and someone might be skillful, but my attitude is, is the owner happy? And is the behavioral outcome? Yeah. Is the behavior change? And is the owner happy? My job, once upon a time, we all start off with the dog, the dog, the dog. Everything's the dog. Is the dog happy? Is the dog this? I've evolved from that now. When you've been in this industry a long time, you realize that you're not there for the dog. You're there for the owner. Because yes. if you fail the owner, the dog as a byproduct gets failed, gets yeah. euthanized or put in a shelter. So my job is to make it as easy as possible for the, for, for, the, for the owner. I've got some owners that are really, really keen, really keen, and they want to they wanna put all the time in the world, lay solid foundations, overlay punishments if needed, and, and there, that's great. But I've also got owners that as soon as I speak to them, I think, you're not about this life. You've got that dog, and you're not going to put the kind of work in that I know you will. At the same time, I know I can, I can put a condition punisher on that dog, and the dog will stop doing what they're complaining about. Sure. Of course I'm going to do it, because now the owner's happy. Now the dog stops doing the behavior, and the dog keeps his home forever in a day. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So... As long as, as long as there's a behavioral outcome and I don't see, you know, an absolute nervous, suppressed bag of shit of a dog, I haven't really got anything to say. My, my, my problem is social media dog trainers that have got, like, loads of following because they can work algorithms well yeah. and they think that they know some shit. Like, there's, there's dog trainers out there with millions and millions of followers and they don't even understand a bridge command. They don't even understand how to charge up yeah. a mark. Do you know what I mean? So, which is fine if people, if, 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 if gullible members of the public want to pay them for that, that's fine. That's none of my business. Everyone has the freedom of choice. My problem is with them when they start giving advice on aggression and um, reactivity and such, because if they don't understand 
basic learning theory on teaching the dog new behaviors, which is predominantly positive reinforcement, then they definitely don't can't get to grips with punishments and the intricacies around punishment because, you know, being being able to, you know, your timing and your precision with rewards to get a behavior that you want exactly is an art as we know. But but it's far, far more of an art to get that timing right and the level right with a punishment. Far, far more of a skilled requirement yeah. to, to, to be done. So that's where I that's where I stand on that. You know, a lot of time people go after people for um for just clout, don't they? I've been guilty of that in the past. We've all had a little dabble. I just like to kind of, <laughs> I like to do my job, but I like to make people laugh. So yeah, I've yeah. jumped I've jumped on that sometimes. Um, but only when 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 I've watched it for months and months, and then they do a video and I go, I fucking got you. You're talking shit. Like one of them, I won't go into names. I've been there, but they were we were doing these hashtags for ages. And I was like, oh, this is bollocks, this. It's like stuff that everyone knows, but you're saying it just because everyone will go, I agree with that. Yeah, click, sure. click, click. And then he said, hashtag, stop, stop telling clients to keep their aggressive dog aggressive dogs away from children on walks. Dogs know the difference. And I and that was it then. I went after him. I went, you stupid bastard. You have never seen a dog redirect from a dog onto a person. Yeah. And you're advising people who've got dog aggressive dogs to have their children next to them dogs. Yeah, yeah. You fucking idiot. You just expose yourself for being absolutely inexperienced because only, only working with fucking hundreds and thousands of dogs will tell you that dogs will redirect from that situation. Yes. Even if you just got one that have done it, everyone should know that a dog can redirect aggression from a dog onto a person. Everyone should know that. Yeah. And the fact that he that he had, at the time, hundreds of thousands of followers, and he posted that, I was like, you fucking moron. So I went, yeah. sleeves up, let's have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wild thing to push, yeah. too. You know, of all of the arguments that you could have, it's like, like I tell my clients who have very friendly dogs that like I, you know, my, my personal dogs, they're, they're all fine with people, but like, I generally don't have them around a lot of children. I don't have children myself, you know? And I always look at it as like, you know, when you have strangers, children or friends, children and stuff like that, like if for whatever reason, hypothetically something were to happen, it's 10 times more serious. Right. So I'm, I'm always even yeah, like a little, so. a little, um, a little overly cautious when it comes to dogs and kids. So like, I, I couldn't imagine going out and saying, yeah, your dog aggressive dog. Go, go take them around kids more. <laughs> it's a, it's a wild thing. Yeah, yeah. And how many times, how many times have you heard like local force free trainers who will criticize you for that and say they're a part of the family, either yeah. this or that? And I'm like, you know what? You don't have the same, the same understanding when you teach sit for biscuits. When you're dealing with, you know, we, I'll see one or two dogs every week that have bitten kids in the face. Yeah. Regard like religiously. Yeah. And I'm, and and when you see the horrendous outcomes. You, you do tread on the side of caution. And again, you know, I love my dog more than I love most people in my life, but I respect that they're an apex predator. Children and dogs don't mix. That's not to say that dogs shouldn't be around your kids and, and it's impossible. It's absolutely not. I grew up with dogs loose around the house. I was also bitten by one of my dogs as a kid. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because kids and dogs don't gel. Kids <clears throat> are unpredictable. Dogs react best when they can predict outcomes. Yes. Kids have grabby hands. They invade space, you know, and... When, when your dog doesn't do anything, it doesn't mean that they're comfortable. Tolerance is not being comfortable with a situation. Yeah. And every person who brings a dog to me that's bitten a kid has one thing in common. They all say, we never thought that would happen. We never thought the dog would do this. Of course you never, because you've been ignoring the signals of the dog being uncomfortable for years. Yeah. And now the dog goes, you put me in a position here, so fucking have that. And then yeah. you go, it's the dog's fault. It's not. 
it's not you've got an unrealistic expectation of what your dog should be interacting with your child, child like yeah and and getting back to you know getting to the the two percent of like what's accurate about like all of the extreme sides and stuff it's funny all these conversations we're having are you know so much of working with dogs and and animal behavior and stuff like that is just understanding some of the whys behind these behaviors whether it's dogs with children you know why dogs wind up biting in the first place how a dog can redirect from another dog onto a human etc 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 and i think that's where a lot of this push against tools kind of comes in sometimes where there are some trainers out there that do just push it of like any of those things forget the why behind it the why doesn't matter just stop the behavior just correct the behavior and I understand what they're saying yeah, with yeah. it, but you have to understand the why behind this stuff. And that is the most important part. And getting back to compromise, exactly. you know, if we can figure out a compromise where it's like, yeah, all right, well, you have to work with a trainer in order to utilize an e-collar. And that trainer has to have some sort of baseline knowledge of animal behavior, why dogs are, are rehearsing some of the things that they're rehearsing. You know, we could make sure that people are understanding the why behind things so they could solve the deeper problem while also stopping the problematic behaviors with things. I guess then you just get into the problem of it's like who dictates what an authorized trainer is at that point. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, who's the one that yeah. makes the... And I think we're too far gone. We're too far gone to kind of implement any formal training because yeah. it would be swallowed up by the force-free community. There's just too much power in it. Yes. And it would do a do it would do dogs a disservice. Um, but when you touched on something about understanding why, that's another thing that can annoy me in the industry sometimes. You know, people go on about dealing with the, the underlying emotion. Yeah. But there are cases where the behavior is driving the emotion. Sure. And if you neutralize the practical behavior, yep. the emotional state will resolve itself. Um, I, I have, I don't, I don't really like um, these certified behaviorists that prescribe medication because every one of them that's come to every client that's come to me, they haven't even diagnosed the problem. Yes, the, the, you know, I had a client come to me not yesterday, the day before. No, it's Monday. Monday just gone. Um, she got a little poodle cross, and she said it's on anxiety medication because the dogs are anxious on a walk. And I was like, okay, let's see the dog. Dog had excessive barrier frustration. Yeah. The dog was pulling into the lead, trying to get to things, couldn't get to them. So it was barking. And I said, the dog is anxious, but it's not got anxiety as such. It's got barrier frustration and that's yeah. driving the anxiety. I literally taught the dog a bit of lead pressure and it, and it stopped straight away. I said, that's because the anxiety is a byproduct of the arousal from the barrier frustration. So your dog is now medicated. Yeah. But anxiety, anxiety is... Wherever you go, you spy on your dog in the room and they can't, yeah, yeah. They can't settle, their fucking head's gone. Yep. They, can't, they can't listen to terminal commands. They can't be lured. They won't take food because anxiety is riddled. That is The anxiety in that dog was a byproduct of the barrier frustration yep. creating excess arousal. Yep. And obviously it was put into barking. So I said to them, you know, you've just paid £700 through your insurance, which now next year insurance premium goes up. For someone who doesn't even know where to begin, that's like going to doctors and saying, oh, my God, doctor, I've got cancer. And they go, okay, here's some cough medicine. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking mental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, you know, I can think of a, a ton of situations in the past week also we've dealt with very similar. I had one. I worked with a dog yesterday, uh, went and did an in-home lesson with them. They're on um, like probably four or five different anxiety medications, just doped out of its freaking mind. Uh, and obviously the, the others, uh, commonality I'm sure you see as well as us is every single one of these dogs that comes in on all these medications. I ask, all right, well, did it fix the problem that you put the medication that you put the dog on the medication for? The answer is always no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but same deal, you know, all yeah. this medication can't handle being in a crate, stuff like that. So they're doping this dog out the mind. I walk in 
Same deal. Dogs freaking crawling up the walls, jumping on the coffee table, you know, just no impulse control, right? Absolute zero impulse yeah. control. You take resources out, the dogs, you, they open the dishwasher, the dog's going in and stealing shit out of the fucking dishwasher, all this kind of stuff. We go in, it's like, we gotta, we gotta just stop some of this stuff just to kind of like stop yeah. the bleeding initially. And it's like, all right, we set a little boundary for that, set a little boundary for that, set a little boundary for that. Finally, it's like, yeah. Right, dog just like takes this like deep yeah. breath and just lays down and just chills from it. They're like, "Oh my god, I've never seen my dog this calm around another person before." And this dog has been on medication for a year and a half, and literally in ten minutes, yeah, we have the dog as calm as they've ever seen it before with company over the house. Where mm -hmm. you stop the impulse control issue again, yeah. the anxiety. Getting back to the chicken or the egg, right? The anxiety is always just a byproduct, usually of the lack of impulse control and the lack of training. You know? Yeah. And then past that, yeah, like some yeah. dogs are Back just going to be a little anxious. Back in the nineties, you never had. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the nineties, you never had separation anxiety. Yeah. It weren't, it weren't a thing because dogs. Back then, the kind of um, the um, the outlook on dogs were man's best friend. Yeah. You know, let's say people's best friend in this day and age. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was that was <laughs> that was the outlook. It was my, it was man's best friend. Now it's fair baby. And if you if if you think of your dog as a baby, then you start treating it as such, and this is where you have problems because. Yeah. You know, when your kids are getting up to mischief, you can explain to them and say, listen, you shouldn't be doing that because this is the outcome from that. But your dog is literally bouncing from pillar to post, just seeking genetic fulfillment. And if you haven't laid down any structure, boundaries, rules of the household, then you're just going to have a fucking nutcase run around your house trying yeah. to fulfill its, its drive dispositions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that is so true. I think another another problem is, see, when we, um, I meant to say before, and we went off topic, um, a big problem that you see with new trainers, like you were saying, um, when people just um, are new to it and they just put the direct jump to punishment is mm -hmm. a big a big problem you see is under punishment. Sure. People don't have an understanding of what punishment is. Punishment, yep. you know, is an is an unpleasant consequence that yep. de decreases the likelihood of a behavior reoccurring. Mm -hmm. People do diet Pepsi punishment. Yep. Unless you're teaching what 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 something means, if you've got a, a a an anxious dog and they can't and they're not computing lessons and you need to break everything down into intricate small puzzles and put them together slowly so they develop an understanding. Unless you're doing that, a consequence is a consequence. And what yes. people don't understand is if you fail to punish to a level where, you know, let's take reactivity, aggression. Yes. If you fail to punish to a level where the dog perceives that as an actual punishment and therefore something to avoid, you often stimulate the behavior. Make you often worse. arouse them. Yeah, you yeah. see it in Monday and Ring, um, in protection dogs. How many times can you use... Um, Pinch collars to agitate to get the dog a bit more wound up to yeah, yeah. in drive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how many times people have come to me from other trainers and they're like, yeah, we've been working with the prong collar. And I'm looking at them like, you're just agitating the dog. You're not using the collar as it's supposed to be used. Yeah. And then you get the new trainers making videos going, if you see anyone correct the dog on a prong collar, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> the collar should be used to switch off pressure. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? They just don't understand. It can yeah, be yeah. used in that way. <laughs> But it's not if that's yes. not the, the the whole way that it's yeah. used. But you know, con there's consequences in life. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> No, 100%. And that gets back to, again, a lot of the, the debate of some of some bigger name or trains, big name trainers that I see that are pushing this idea of just like low level for everything is, you know, you get to people it's are under correcting the dog for things. They're building resiliency to the collar. They're teaching the dog to get more stimulated from yeah. the collar. And they're generally making these behaviors worse. And that's where yeah. all this jargon of like working then, level and pressure yeah. and this and that and blah, blah, blah. It just confuses the fuck out of people that don't deeply know this stuff yeah. because we're using negative reinforcement or positive punishment. And both of them will only work if the dog wants to escape or avoid the sensation that's it yeah 
Yeah. And again, you know, you can't. I, I have a, I have another I have another thing I have. Um, I'll mention the trainer first, like trainers who diet Pepsi punishments, and you know, it's like you know, let's show you the video of this is how it's supposed to be done. But really, the motor the motivation for the video is like me, everyone like me, and click <laughs> and follow me, right? Yeah, sure. This is where people are getting redirected on. If you've just used pressure and release on a prong collar that wants to kill dog on a, on a dog that wants to kill dogs, yeah. you do your pressure and release in your garden. You go out and your dog flies to the end of the lead. That's where it's going to redirect when it's feeling the collar yeah. in a way that it's not felt before. It's going to climb back up at the lead at you. So, you know, in often often the case, the cause and the cause and problems, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you on that. I mean, listen, we could we could obviously get into the nuances of the training and the problems with the trainings all day long. So one yeah. of my questions, uh, you know, one of my big last questions here is is what if you were, you know, in our shoes right now, what sorts of things would you start doing to either prepare for the inevitable of this coming or help kind of make yeah. sure it doesn't come in the first place, given where you're at right now? Right. If, if I, if I was used, you need to be really working the political game before this starts. I mean, it got a grip in New York, didn't it? It's happened in New York. Yeah. You need to be rallying people together in the U S in every state. And you need to be writing to politicians Get a get a generic letter together, yeah. and have people send it to the politicians, um, predicting that this is going to happen. I'm just letting you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of this radical outlook on dog train at the moment. Um, find some statistics for the US on on um, on um, livestock um, avoidance things like that. You've got all the studies there. I can send you them. I can send you them over if you need. And you need to be getting it in with the politicians now, so that when 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 the 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 force free side of things start pushing their case, yeah. your politicians are already familiar with the research. They're already familiar with the topic. Yeah. Because otherwise, you've got to put you. You can't blame politicians and you know B list celebrities for jumping on this bandwagon because all the tap they have no understanding of dog training yeah. and tools. All the happening is. These people that are supposed to be pinnacles in the community, the Kennel Club, the Dogs Trust, the fucking RSPCA, they write to B-list celebrities and politicians and they go, these e-collars are given 6,000 volts to dogs. It's not fair and it's cruel. And if you don't know, I would yeah. say, oh, yeah, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So you need to be planting the seeds now. And um, I might actually speak to Jamie about um, – because he is the man. When it comes to it, he's so good at it. He's he, He's – He's just brilliant at putting the information across and he's and he's relentless. But you know, he can't do that in the US as well as the UK. If it yeah. were if if the US wanted wanted them to fight for you, he'd have to research all your statistics and yeah. what's going on. There would have to be some sort of GoFundMe to to make it a job for him to do. Yeah. I'd have to speak to him to see if he'd even be interested. But there is just no one like it. He's just a unique beast in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, he really I'm, is. And you know, while I'm on it, I'm going to give a little. Uh, I'm going to give a little plug to the podcast that we've been doing. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a, it's a produced podcast called The Dog Scholar, and the aim of the podcast is to give people the actual science around their dogs, but to to get them to understand that you're getting nothing out of treating your dog like a baby. When you're treating your dog like a dog, you will get so much out of your dog than you will ever get for just spoiling them and leaving them to their own devices. You know, I, everywhere I go with my dogs, without fail, anyone that passes goes, wow, I've never seen a dog that trained. How do you get your dog to look at you like yeah. that? Why is your dog ignoring all that? And, you know, they're not capable of loving the sense that we are. But if you want the closest thing to it, train your dog properly. And when you understand that your dog's a dog and you respect them as the species they are, 
You will get so much more out of your dog. If I said to people, I treat me, me kid like a dog, they'd be mortified. Yeah. So why aren't they mortified when you're treating your dog like a kid? Yeah. Do you see what I mean? That's a great point. If you were to treat, you know, if you're treating one species as another species is a disrespect to the species in general. Let's 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 start treating dogs as dogs. And I'm on the podcast with him, Dr. Sab, who's one of the most qualified, if not the most qualified neuroscientists in the in the UK. Um and um and and Jamie Jamie Penrith's on the Dog Scholar as well. If you haven't seen it yet, you can watch yes. it on YouTube for free. Um, just type in the Dog Scholar. Um, oh, that's and we, Jamie we on address that. Okay. Subjects yeah, yeah. that might the public might be conflicted on is can your dogs feel jealousy? Can your dogs feel empathy? Um, you know, um, can you can you fix fear? All these different all these different topics that the public are getting misinformation on. We address it in an honest scientific way we bring up actual science literature that isn't biased because it's been performed by from you know people that there was no agenda then it was just oh can this happen our dogs doing yeah. this there was no agenda do you know what i mean and it's um i think it's it, it could really shift the dynamic in how people see their dogs and they realize how much not just good behavior but how much of a bond and relationship they're going to have with the dogs by understanding that your dog is a dog do you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it gets back to, you know, like uh, the, the deeper you understand, the more you understand some of the whys. Again, there's the, the problems, you know, behind some of the, the extreme versions of that, obviously. Just how much easier some of this stuff actually gets. It's funny, I'll, I'll do lessons with clients and, and I'll just be explaining very, very basic things. And they're like, oh my God, like that is such common sense I would have never, ever thought about before. Yeah. But it's it's so simple. You know what I mean? People are shocked by how yeah. simple some of this stuff actually is. Because dogs yeah. are not very complex really creatures, is. you know? Uh, you know, they're, they're really, complex really in their own is. ways. No, but you, 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 Behavioral outcomes, you just can't. Yeah. You can't explain the benefits of it. Understanding classical and opera conditioning and being able to apply it in a common sense way is the way forward. You will see drastic results in your dog like unbelievable behavior change yeah. in your dogs and as you just said most of it is common sense yeah mm-hmm. that's awesome well listen man is there uh what's up i have i have so oh, sorry right. no, I, I get lost in the sauce you guys just Danny, I, yeah yeah I thought, I thought to myself he speaks too much yeah. Saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes i just get enthralled i'm just like all right you, you guys go go but uh so when we first yeah, when we first heard you know about the ban, uh, it was from Jeff Gelman uh, on his podcast. Yeah, and he brought up a, a good point that I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on is the companies, you know, e collar Technologies, you know, Garmin, Dogtra. They've kind of been silent for for what we've seen so That's far. They haven't really yeah. talked about anything. Or you think they've been silent? Ah, okay. I can't That's... say too much in okay. that. Okay, okay. People, people are working. People, people are working. Okay, yeah, it, good. Not, some of them are. Some of them are silent. Um, but if you give me a message, I can, I'll give you a little bit more. Uh, I can give you a little bit more info on that. But there is um they are working. They're not, that, they're not abandoning people. That that's is good. that's really great some to them, know. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Not all, not not all of them. Some of them are capitalists, not beds. But <laughs> but. A lot of them, a lot of them are. Yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, that's good. that's a good point. Yeah, because I think with e-collar tech in particular, like you know, I did see like after a lot of this stuff started coming out, they did start. I think they were like raising funding or, or looking to, you know, they they might be partnering up with people. But yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. That behind the scenes, you don't necessarily know what's going on with a lot of those types of things. Yeah, well, it's just good as long as they're spearheading something, you know, because it's like, yeah, hey, that, 
at the at the end of the day, that's your yeah. number one business right here, and they're like banning it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. but even past that, like he said, I mean, yeah, like yeah. in Germany, they're banned, and they're still selling yeah. more collars than they've ever sold before. You know? Yeah. So yeah, Josh, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Well, basically, what the animal rights activists want is a nation where everything's banned, but everyone can still use and and most likely abuse it because there's no education on it. Yeah. Um, and again, you know. It doesn't affect my business. All I have to say to a client, it, it, it's impossible to be policed. They've been banned in Wales since 2010, and there's one conviction, one conviction of a farmer that was openly on camera going, I don't give a fuck, I'll use my collar. <laughs> That's the only conviction they've had. Yeah. Everyone, but other people are still, uh, are still using it, obviously not in the, in the amounts that are going to stop the statistics, but people are still using them. Yeah. So, you know, it's ridiculous that... That they even they even think that this is they're on the side of good. It, it, it's 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 and as you've just said, most of dog training is common sense. Yeah, it seems to be something that the, that the force free and the animal rights activists are drastically missing. Why aren't they sat there going? Hang on a minute. They can still buy them. They can still own them. E collars are sell, sold just the same now in the in the countries that are banned that they were before. Why are we going to ban them? We're just condemning them people to take them on the ground. Yeah, our businesses. All I have to do is a business. I've got loads. I've got thousands of videos of e-collar footage that I haven't posted that I'm going to put on the academy. If a band were to come in, I'll literally just charge a fortune for a segment on e-collars. I'll put it on there as one package. And if they come to me and the dog needs an e-collar, I'll say, go to my website. It's up to you what you want to do. I can't have a hand in it. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, touch yeah. it. But everything you need to know to use that right collar there. just it, with, with, it, with, um, with, it ethically is there. It doesn't affect my bit. If anything, it makes me more revenue. So it doesn't affect us in the slightest. Do you know what I mean? I just can't be hands on with the collar. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, and I think I, you know, kind of what you guys were talking about earlier with these like TikTok trainers, you know, that don't know shit really at the end of the day, but they just know how to dice the algorithm a little bit. Uh, I think they've kind of like hurt the balance training a lot more because, like you said, they don't they don't like showing the whole process. It's just, Oh, here's the good here. Here's the poor. Here's the after. This is what you can do. Whereas like people like you and and David, it's like, he has a vlog, like the dog vlog. And it's literally, it'll show a training session all the way through. It's the good, the bad, the ugly, you know? And I feel like not showing that is actually hurt balance training and using e-callers more because they don't understand them a lot too, because how many trainers have we seen that, you know, push a really nice narrative on social media of using these tools and stuff. And then a video comes out of them hammering a dog out in public or something. They're you ruthless. Know? Yeah. All yeah. Of them trainers are full of shit. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I seen them on the track. Where can, where can trial scenes and gun dog scenes? Yeah. Every person, every person that you see like, oh, come here, come here. Like, they're, just, <laughs> they're, fucking they're fucking ruthless. Yeah. They yeah. make up for it with bullshit. And the biggest dog training company in the uk now falls it they're selling bullshit you know put this put this harness on your dog and it stops reactivity because it gives your dog a job to do look at all this reinforcement (laughs) but i've had about 17 clients from them this year and every one of them has been lit up yeah like there's no understanding of what they're doing and why they're doing it yeah Mm -hmm. it's all bullshit it's all bullshit in terms of what you were saying in uh, of showing things um i used to i used to do that all the way through and I stopped, I stopped it now. I always explain what I'm doing and I always make it abundantly clear that there is punishment. Yeah. Punishment is, the way, is, is, is how you're going to achieve yeah. a behavior change when you're talking about this particular behavior. Yeah. You know, I can't, I hate this nonsense of 
this dog's trying to kill people. So look at me doing all obedience. Yeah, obedience yeah. does not fix that. No, that no. is two separate entities. Yeah, yeah. That's like saying, I just hate me ass, so I'm going to rub me head. Yeah. It's just <laughs> fucking nonsense. Yeah. It's you could absolute only, nonsense. I, I think what you're getting at is but, you can only show so, you know, there's certain things you can't show because people won't yeah. be able to receive it well. But you could, t- as it's long not, as you're not, not trying to deceive it, it, you know, I just, or taken out of context. Yeah, I just don't want, I don't want to take responsibility for more overnight experts. Sure, so if I, sure. if I, if I show a dog at the end of the lead, I correct, walk the other way. And then another week goes by and they haven't reacted once. The fucking idiot at home who goes, I've had dogs my whole life. I could be a dog trainer. <laughs> he then copies that and yeah. does it. And he doesn't have the underpinning knowledge that I have or yes. the experience. So what I've just done is indirectly contributed to the shit that's in the industry. Yeah. So I have, a, you know, I, it's, it's a tough one that because as much yeah. as you'd like to help people as much as you can, people will use it for evil with the best intentions. So yeah. you have to be careful. There's a fine line. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I definitely understand what you mean. And, and that's where... It, it, it's how, how the information is being sent out there, I feel like, is a big part of it, too. Like, we're very cautious to put out information that we see a lot of people do, which is like, I'm speaking to you, right? I'm telling you this is how you do this, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, when it comes to, like, specific yeah. training methods. Like, correct the dog this way or do the dog this way. Um, you know, a lot of our stuff is is more in the session where the context surrounding those things we're doing, right, is there. We're discussing why it's applying directly to this person's individual situation. And in the end of the day, I feel like, yeah, there, it's it, it's a balance, right? Like there's, you know, there's there's not necessarily a win-win yeah. for it. Uh, but I, I do understand what you're saying. If You, you want to be careful not to be telling people this is all it is. You just do this, yeah. you know? Yeah. The problem we have is a lot of people... A lot of people who show the ugly side of it, it in, in 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 regard to learning theory, it's fucking wrong. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. ah, yeah, yeah. I want all the people to show that. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was it's fucking like you know, like the the um the one came out of you mentioned him before, Jeff Gilman when he bonked that um sure. that dog on stage, and I, I was on the side of no, that shouldn't have been happened. You know. A, the dog literally went like that to Jeff, so knew where that came from. B, the woman was in a wheelchair and couldn't rec- couldn't copy that anyway. Mm-hmm. So when it's shown like that, you can't, you, you know, if anything ever, if someone ever took a video of me training a dog, I could stand there and go, I'll tell you exactly why I've done that in accordance to what learning theory, and I'll reference you in a fucking study just to give you a little something, something, do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you just mindlessly punish a dog, you, you've got to be just so careful. You've got to be so careful. And unfortunately, we see stuff like that. And then we all got labeled with tarred with the same brush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely the forever struggle of putting content out there, right? <clears throat> so It is. But, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, even if you see a load of shit that you don't like or a load of shit that's incorrect with learning 30, the reality of it is, you, you, we don't live in the land of sunshine and fairy farts. Yeah. Dogs need unpleasant consequences just like we do. Yeah. Just, just like the very society that we live in is kept in order by a healthy fear of consequence. We're not reinforced. The harder you work, the more tax you pay, yeah. the more you get stung. There's no reinforcement going on here. Yep. We are literally not. We're, I'm risking getting fucking chewed up every bastard day by dogs. Yeah. Because if I rob a bank, I might lose a substantial part of my fucking life and my yeah. freedom. Sure. So we're all kept in line with a healthy fear of consequence. And if anyone who wants to argue the fact that that shouldn't be the case, well, I'd like to see how you survive in a society where no one has a fear of consequence. Because <laughs> then the most ruthless, ruthless of us will thrive and everyone else will suffer. Yeah. 
Well, listen, man, like I said, I, I really appreciate you coming on. This very interesting uh, interesting perspective on this whole conversation and, and some of kind of what's going on. I don't want to say behind the scenes, but, you know, where we're not at, right? We're not seeing really in the UK how this stuff is kind of playing out. Uh, yeah. That's great, the fucking win on getting at least a pause on it for right now mm-hmm. uh, and starting to get yeah. a little bit more conversation uh, circling around it before some of these just like mindless decisions get made. Um, what, uh, any anything else you want to kind of put out? I, I did listen to, uh, I listened to most of, I think, your last episode that you put out uh, of your podcast. That's a really great show you guys are doing. It's a very interesting perspective on, you know, uh, very specific nuanced topics of, of dog learning and training. And, and I appreciate how you guys are putting that together yeah. for sure. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to just soften it. You know, if yeah. someone, if someone has like my dog's a baby, yeah. we can't go. No, they're not. <laughs> so we're just trying to transition yeah. back. You know, it took, it took over 20 years to get yes. the idea from people's best friend right the way through to fear baby. So to just throw them back into that, it's just too much, but we we just want them to understand that you're going to get so much more out of your dog and your dog's going to be so much more fulfilled if you respect them as the species they are. So um, yeah, that's it. And in terms of like taking away from things, definitely, you know, if you've got a couple of influential um, trainers, which you've got many in the US, it's definitely worth you round rallying up Mm -hmm. and start getting information to to your, um, your politicians now ready for when these extremists start coming in because they're armed with emotion and emotion gets a grip of people. So we, we have to get that logic in them before they get gripped with that, with that nonsense emotion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, and you know, we have a, and the science is on our side, mate. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. The science is on our side. Mm -hmm. There is no side. There's just science and all the actual science that that isn't bought and paid for it all. The evidence is overwhelming. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And we have a, you know, we, we don't have a, a gazillion uh, listeners over in the, the UK and stuff, but I know we have a few. Do you want to, obviously, a chance to kind of plug your company, what you do? Um, yeah, so I, I am the owner, head trainer, and director of Unleash Canine UK Limited. Um, I've got a team of trainers that work for me. We specialize in unwanted behavior with dogs, and we train um, protection dogs, um, security dogs, police prison dogs, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're available for anyone who, who might be struggling with their dogs. That's beautiful. What uh, what part of the UK are you in? I'm in Merseyside. Okay. The Beatles. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, was that by Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, just on the outskirts. I'm from Liverpool, but... You can't you can't get a place to um, yeah to set up a dog training company in Liverpool. It's all concrete. So yeah. I've got I, I've got a farm that's just on the outskirts. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, nice. we just stayed in. We were just in. Uh, we were in Scotland, and we went to Chester for a little bit, and uh, which is obviously just, Chester. That's not too far from me. Yeah, just pretty close to pretty yeah. close to Liverpool. It's a shame we um, it's a shame we weren't talking before. We could have yeah, yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, well, listen, man, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'll send you over all the links to this and stuff. Obviously, once it comes out, you're welcome to use any clips or anything like that that you want to yeah, out of it. Uh, and uh, and we'll go from there. So, appreciate Thanks your cool. time, man. This was a great conversation. Lads, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. yeah. Have a good one. Re- <clears throat>